Wow. Just wow. Amen. What a blessing. Um, the brother prayed and asked for, I guess, a, a largeness of heart this morning, and my, my heart and mind are going in about a million different directions. And, uh, man, it's always so good to be reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him on the throne, and one day we're going to be there. We're going to see Him face to face. And I, I've, I've thought about what that day is going to be like many, many a time. Um, I don't know. I just like to stay there half the time whenever I kneel down to pray. Most of the time when it's time to get up, I just feel like this is, uh, it's kind of like going away from a big smorgasbord still hungry. Amen. It just, I can't, you can't get enough of him. Amen. So anyway, it's, uh, it's good to be here. It's, I, this was really not our plan. And I was recalling that uh, last time we were here, I think, I believe I preached a message about when God changes your plans. And so now I'm having to practice what I preach. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, our, um, our last scheduled meeting was the last Sunday of January. Then the plan was to, uh, we have a lot of friendly churches in the Cincinnati area where we stay. And there's always last minute brother come and preach for us here, preach for us there type of a thing. And I was just going to leave that Sunday, uh, February open and go back the end of February, the beginning of March. And then I, be, I guess you began to see what was happening over in Ukraine. And actually it was... Um, it was kind of a, 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 I don't know, it's a strange thing. All these strange dates just kind of keep popping up and um, little small coincidences. It was on February the 18th, 1989, that I came forward in an old church out in the country, uh, absolutely confused, wasn't sure if I was saved, wasn't sure if I ever really had it, wasn't sure if I had lost it, I wasn't sure if I could ever even get it back if I had lost it. But I was saved. I was just a mess. And I came forward on uh, February the 18th, 1989 and sold out 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he took me back, amen, and he reminded me of this call to preach he put on my life a long time ago. And the strange thing is, it was on that day, February the 18th, it's always kind of a special celebration that I, you know, I have with the Lord on February the 18th. And uh, it was on that day that all the terrible snipers started um, you know, picking off the, the people there in Kiev. And we began to watch this whole thing unravel. And we, we, our, our emotions and our hearts, our minds have been on this roller coaster ride where it's quite an amazing, uh, I don't know, I can't describe to you the emotions involved with thinking that wh- what if, the, what if the, the door closed? I mean, would this be it for real? I mean, just you talk about your, your mind spinning and your head spinning, and it's just, it's been a real roller coaster ride, and um, it's done my heart good to be here this morning. It's been a, a real blessing. So, um, yeah, we had a couple services, a couple churches that we hadn't visited yet. One was up here in New York, and when we left the last time, just we really, really fell in love with Pastor Veach and his family. And thank you. I feel like I've crashed a party. It's kind of, I mean, this, so I called and we, he said, you know, hey, if you're ever back up here in this area, would you please give me a call? Maybe we'll have some kind of a service, you know, we'll do something. And so I didn't even know it was going to be, you know, Easter Sunday. And so I called him. I said, looks like we're going to be up in New York. And then it was after he said, yeah, go ahead, brother, come on. And then I realized this is, you know, Easter Sunday, which is for missionaries to be to preach on a Sunday morning in most churches on Easter Sunday is kind of like uh, it just doesn't happen. (laughs) 
And so I called him back and I said, brother, it's Easter Sunday. And he's like, oh, good. you know, it's no big deal to us. And I was like, praise the Lord. Amen. You guys are the real deal. So I, I do. I appreciate it. Um, well, it's good. It's, you know, it's not this day. It's every Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ every Sunday. Why? Because he rose again on the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit came down the first day of the week. Amen. I mean, Passover was the first day of the week. You know, that way back when in the Old Testament, before there was a revealed Sabbath, amen, there was the first day of the week, you know, celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have a lot of reasons. We meet together every, every uh, Sunday, and you don't have to wait one day out of the year, amen, to come to church. I know it's, it's you know, people are like that all over the world. And so it's kind of funny. We have a, um, a custom in Ukraine that uh, everybody on, on, you know, the Easter Sunday, everybody gets real religious, you know, that's what they do. They get real religious and get all dressed up and, and pious and all that stuff. And so they, they have a custom and they say, Christos vas Chris. Everybody you meet, you say, Christos vas Chris. You know, when you come into the church, somebody walks in for the first time and somebody says, Christos vas Chris. And then everybody's supposed to answer, Vaistana vas Chris. That is, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And it's, it's like that all over the place. And my, the first time I ever heard it, we had stopped our van on the side of the road to pick up some people that were trying to, you know, over there. It's a hitchhiking is a viable form of transportation. And so, so we saw these guys and we pulled over to pick them up. And this guy, I mean, he's three sheets, you know, to the wind. And two of them were blown away. And he said, Chris, uh, you know, and it's like, wow. Okay. So um, that was my first induction into the culture of uh, Ukraine and the religion. It just really doesn't help. Amen. If you would open up your Bible to Philippians chapter three, um, Philippians chapter 3, when um, I have preached many uh, Resurrection Sunday um, sermons, I've got a, a lot, quite a few in the repertoire, and there's kind of a, a I don't know, a, humanly speaking, a desire to maybe rise to the, the, the occasion and, you know, bow to the demands of culture on this day and and, you know, say what's supposed to be said, I guess. Um, but I can't get away with, from, from this message. Uh, my desire is to be a blessing to you, to be a help to you. To, um, I'm not, uh, it's not my desire to pick any scabs <laughs> or open up any wounds or anything weird like that. Um, I truly want to be a blessing to you and uh, be a help to you from the Word of God this morning. So Philippians chapter 3. And uh, this seems to, as best as I know how, understand the way I know how to um, uh, try to find the mind of the Lord. I believe that this is it for this, this morning. And in Philippians chapter 3, it's one of my favorite chapters in uh, the New Testament. And here Paul speaks, and he's, uh, he's talking in verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. You know, Paul was in prison at this time. There was persecution, and he's dealing with some practical things. Uh, verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... 
If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And God, thank you for the songs this morning. Thank you, God, for Lord, this church and for the, these folks and for the pastor. And God, I just pray that you would um, please uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to hearts this morning and minister, edify, build up. God, I pray if, uh, if a reproof or a rebuke is needed, God, I pray that you would supply. God, that we all might, uh, Lord, be right with you. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that the, the gospel would be crystal clear in their minds and understanding that they would see their need of Jesus Christ and see that he is the only one that can satisfy, that they would come to him uh, simply trusting him and God believing in what he's done on the cross. God, that they might be saved. And Lord, we pray that at the end of the day, that, Father, you would be pleased with all that's said and done and thought here. And, God, that you would just bless for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul is uh, he's speaking and he's talking about trusting in the flesh. And uh, if there's anybody in the Word of God, uh, you know, aside from maybe Job, Moses, those kinds of guys, you know, that are pretty high up there, that have uh, whereof they could trust in the flesh. You know, Paul is saying here, and this is a man who says that he... His conscience bears him witness. That is, he's not lying. He's telling the truth. He says that uh, I more, if anybody has a reason to trust in their flesh to get them to heaven, Paul says I more. And he goes through his qualifications or his uh, resume, if you will. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That is, he's not a Gentile. And he says of the tribe of Benjamin, that's that tribe that was almost exterminated. In the Old Testament, it's a miracle of God that they were there to that day. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. I mean, he, there was, he, was not, uh, uh, he did not have a divided heart. He was who he was and was not ashamed of it. And he says, as touching the law, a Pharisee. So there were several denominations within the uh, Jewish system there. And, and he was persuaded and he was a very strict Pharisee. It was a literal interpretation, very uh, strict type of a sect. And he says, concerning zeal, that is, there are some people who, you know, they, they take a stand and believe the right things on paper. But Paul was the kind of guy that actually did something about it. Amen. I mean, there is a difference between even Christians today. There are those that they are on the right side as far as their statement of faith and what they believe, which, amen. But that's really only half of it. You have to live what you believe. And so Paul here says, you know, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He took the word of God seriously. And he went so far as to persecute Christians because he thought that they were, you know, a bunch of blasphemers. To say that this man, Jesus Christ, is God in the flesh, he had a problem with that. You know, so touching the righteousness which is in the law, what's that word? blameless. He was a religious man. You know, and typically in, a, in any church, if someone comes to Jesus Christ and receives him as Savior, there's two kinds of people. There are the people who are, they know they're sinners. That's probably, amen. You can all just... I mean, we know. The brother was saying, you look in the mirror, i got to live with this guy. Amen. I know. There's no disputing. I, amen. A great sinner. 
you know, that come from the uh, dregs of society sometimes, or there's something, you know, something way back there in the past that only you and God knows, and you need to keep it that way, amen? Amen. But uh, whatever it is, God knows what it is, you know what it is, and Jesus Christ, if you're saved, He's forgiven you of that. But anyway, people come to Jesus Christ, and they're sinners, and they know it. There are other people that come to to Christ, and they have to jump a big hurdle. That is, they're good people, decent people. Religious people. They've been raised in good families by good men, honest men, hardworking men and women, mothers, fathers, grandmas and grandpas. They've gone to church. They've had the, they've had the christening and they've been baptized. They may have, you know, gone through all of the confirmation and anything else that whatever that religious organization, whatever it may be called, has required of them. They've done it all. And whenever you look and compare with other people in society, you say, you know what? If anybody's got a chance to make it to heaven, I'm a pretty good candidate, right? Because I'm pretty good. That's, what, uh, that's where Paul was. And it's a really tough pill to swallow when a preacher gets up on a Sunday morning or somebody hands you a tract or someone on the street meets you and says that the very best you can do is going to land you right in hell. That all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's a tough pill to swallow. Especially when you say, you mean my mom was lost and my dad was lost and my grandma and my grandpa. They were good people, better than most. That's tough, folks. But that's the difference between religion and the gospel. Paul had to jump over this hurdle of self-righteousness. And that's what religion does. Religion, all it does is just give man this level of righteousness that he's able to kind of build up and he thinks he's okay in the eyes of God. And God says, no, if you're going to come to him, you come to him on his terms. Amen. Amen. There's this thing called sin and self-righteousness is a sin. I mean, do you think that you are so good that you can pit your goodness and your righteousness against Jesus Christ? To the, to the point that you think that you don't need Him? After God the Father has done all that He's done and allowed His Son to be tortured to death on a cross, Amen? And then you, do you really think that you have the goal to be able to stand before God Almighty, an omnipotent, holy, righteous, pure, amen, being, and say that, you know what, I'm just as good as your son? You're in big trouble. Smoking, drinking, robbing the bank, all that stuff is just, that's child's play compared to the sin of self-righteousness. If you come to Jesus Christ, as we sung this morning, a sinful soul, I come to Him. You come to Him on His terms. And His terms are, you must receive His Son. He was the one that died on the cross. He's the one that took the sins of the world in Himself. The Bible says He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's not what we've done, it's what He's he's done. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's got this whole thing worked out to where when we finally get to heaven, not, there's not one there that's going to say, boy, it was hard, but boy, I made it. Not one. It's all going to be, 
Worthy is the Lamb. That's what it's all about. It's all about Him. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, some men trust in their righteousness and their goodness and whatever that is. It might be, I was baptized and I give tithes or I give offerings and I help people out and I do good works. And I started this nonprofit organization that helps, you know, blind kids somewhere. It, it, that stuff amounts to zero. Some people are really, truly trusting in that. You say, what does it mean to truly be a Christian? Well, I'll get... Guess what I'm trusting to hold me up? If that thing moves, I'm totally committed at this point. I really am. <laughs> this is an experiment. I should have checked this out. <laughs> It'd be bad if it didn't work out. But at this point, if that thing can't hold me up, where am I going? Down. Down. It's a law. Every time. You can try it. Go home. Try it. It works every time. You know why it goes down? It doesn't have anything to hold it up. You know what happens to you if you die without Jesus Christ? You're going down. But He loved you so much. Jesus Christ came and took your sin, every bit of it. And He offers you the free gift of salvation. It's all worked out to where, you know what it is? It's a gift. He said, all you have to do is just take it. Receive it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I, I like to use the, the illustration in Ukraine. I do it a lot. This is eternal life. God's put eternal life. You want forgiveness of sins and eternal life? That's the offer. That's a legitimate offer. You read the Bible, that's what Jesus Christ offers. It's not just a better life and you're going to be, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. He offers you a free pardon, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven with Him forever. I mean, you know, what do you want for nothing? But all of that is in Jesus Christ. And if you want that, you must receive Him. You receive Him, you've got life. You don't receive Him, you try to go some other way, you don't have life. That's really not the message, but I felt compelled to say it. Because it all comes down to this thing. There, you know, it, there are so many religious people. And up here, they, they can, they can you know, say yes, they, they will uh, 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 agree with you that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. Yeah, they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Then they might even say, yeah, I believe He was the Son of God. They would say up here that, yes, I believe He died on a cross. Yeah, I believe, you know, like today, everybody's saying it, you know. He is risen, and they'll say, yeah, He rose. I believe in the event that He arose again. 
I one time passed out a track, The Empty Tomb, to a 60-something-year-old uh, uh, Russian or a Ukrainian sailor in the Black Sea Fleet. Spent all his lives, one, you know, commanding. He was a captain of one of the, um, he was a captain of one of the, the boats in the Black Sea Fleet. I gave him that, and he said, you know what, all my life, I've heard of Jesus Christ, I've heard of God, I heard that Christ was the Son of God, I heard He died on the cross. And he says, here I am, 60-something years old. He says, this is the first time I ever heard why. What a blessing. Missions is a good thing. Amen. I get all these good things. I can tell you just story after story of people getting saved. What a blessing it is. We've been having ourselves a time, and I guess the devil's upset about it. That's why things are the way they are. But, you know, um, what I like to do when talking to people about salvation, there's a lot of people that will have all the facts, and they'll say, yeah, I believe in God, and they think that that makes them okay. But you have to understand that Christ died for sin. Your sin. And that if you want salvation, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not an automatic thing, you know. It's not this thing, well, my parents were saved, or my dad was saved, or they went to church and therefore I'm okay. No. There's a sin problem between you and him. And though He loves you and He has done everything He can so that you don't die in your sins, He wants, for, he wants you to be with Him. He has a problem, and that is, you know, Thou shalt not bear false witness is one of His commandments. Agreed? That's His commandment. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. Nobody wrote He wrote it. And if He led us into heaven... As we are, without taking care of sin, guess what? He would be bearing false witness. Saying you're okay when you're not. He's got to have a basis to forgive sin. And that basis is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everything's done. All of the preparation, all the free pardon, everything is ready. He stands out there. He holds it out. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Amen. It's all right there. And all you have to do is you take it. You simply just say, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what I like to do in witnessing to people, I just like to, you know, I, I like to get it personal. He said, that means you, you have to call on him and you have to ask him to save you. Now, when did you do that? Where was the place? You may not know the date. You, don't, you may not know the, the, the time, the, the day of the month, but you ought to know the place. Amen? Amen. And if you've never had a time like that, maybe today will be your day. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, we'll continue reading on here where he says, as touch, um, Touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Then he gets to verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He saw that all that religious shenanigans, all those... Uh, all those gyrations, all the rituals, all of the feast days, all of the sacrifices, every, he did it blamelessly. He didn't light a stove on, on, on Saturday. He didn't travel far on Saturday. He observed all of it. He was blameless. And he got to the point where he realized, you know what? All of that is worthless. It does nothing to help me have peace with God. 
to have salvation through Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I mean, if that's what you, you know, some people are just terrible, awful, wicked sinners, and they come to Christ, and they know who they are. They don't have to get over this. Some people are very good, very religious, pious even. And they have to jump this hurdle, and it's a hard one to get to the point where you count all of that just wasted time. I don't know. You know what dung is. It's not something you hang around with. Amen? You don't. You try to hide it. You cover it up. Get rid of it real quick. Amen? Verse 9, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. Those things that we think that make us right in the eyes of God. Not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians says. One of my, this is one of my, I guess, my life verse. I sign my name with it all the time, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul had to get over some things in his past. In order to even get saved, he had to get over all of his self-righteousness. And then to even go on and do something for God, he had to get over some things in his past. And I'd like to to preach this morning, with the time that's left, about living in the past. I have uh, been around, I'm not, uh, you know, the most experienced man in the room, of course, but I'm not a, um, I'm not greenhorn anymore. I've been in this full-time ministry now for 20 years. Serving the Lord for longer than that, and I've seen in myself and I've seen in other people that a lot of people were living in the past. And it robs them of today, and it robs them of the future. And um, I say these things for a reason, and it's because, um, you know, missions is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about that, that message. And missions just kind of works in such a way where it's the body of Christ and we're all in this together, amen? And whenever churches back here are suffering and if they're really uh, not staying strong, it affects us over there. It just, it does. It works that way. And um, I've seen a lot of cases where churches have folded or they've had splits and all these awful things or, or lives have been kind of shipwrecked and marriages, you know, have, have uh, kind of uh, gone down the tubes and relationships and families all because of just living in the past. And essentially, I'd like to just mention four areas in the past that um, we need to get over. And one of them, the first one is past offenses. You can't live in the realm of past offenses. I'm not talking about uh, your offenses to, to others, but their offenses towards you. And I'm going to get down there, and I need this preaching this morning. Amen. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, God, I really, how am I going to preach this? 
I got bright that night on February the 18th, 1989, and I'm telling you folks, I'm just as serious as I can be. I stood by the back doors. Now, I, when I backslid, you know, I was bitter against the Lord. I had gone completely in the other direction. I had hair halfway down my back. I was a head, you know, a heavy metal headbanger, you know, playing lead guitar for years and playing in the bands and that scene, that whole, you know, the drinking and the drugging and all that stuff. So, you know, when it comes to knowing you're a sinner, Amen. God was able to pick up the pieces. Hey, praise the Lord. Anyway, I remember standing in the back of the church and looking at church people. That was not my crowd. Church people were not, you know, they weren't quite my cup of tea. We didn't quite gel together. Amen. I avoided them like the plague, and I think they avoided me like the plague. And uh, But I remember standing in the back of that church and looking at those people, and I'm telling you, I thought they glowed. I, I remember say, thinking to myself, these are holy people. Wow. Just looking at you. You are holy people, you know. Because I knew I wasn't holy. And our group wasn't holy. But these people kind of glowed. They had halos. and but Boy, I had some things to learn. <laughs> I know those people in that church now, Amen. <laughs> And um, we ain't holy. Well, like he is. And most of the time, Christians, uh, we live together and we, you know, try to serve together. And sooner or later, sooner or later, it's going to happen. You're going to get offended. Somebody's going to do it on purpose, not on purpose, not on te- intentionally. It's just going to happen. You're going to get yourself offended. And you're going to have to learn how to get over it. Folks, if we're ever going to get anything done for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to learn how to get along. Amen. I mean, you just can't. We were yesterday in, 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 the, uh, in the city. And I don't know. I think we finally figured it out. My wife and I, New York City really reminds us of Odessa. Just I, The architecture, the people, the hustle and bustle, the whole thing, it just it really does. But, you know, there's a lot of pushing and shoving and crowds. Amen. There's the rub. The rub, that's what I like to call it whenever we get kind of, you know, quirky. <laughs> it's we, we're, we're rubbing each other a, a little bit and um, you're going to get offended. I've known Christians to lie, to steal, to defraud, to gossip, to slander. Christians. It's going to happen and what are you going to do? You're going to quit? Some people do. They just get up and quit the Christian life. They're going to end up bankrupt at the judgment seat of Christ just because they just couldn't get over something in the past. You're going to have to get over it. You know, the best thing to do is, you know, Christ said, um, be kind, tenderhearted, loving one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It ought to just be an easy thing. Did God forgive you? For Christ's sake, can you do that the same for, towards somebody else? It ought to be just automatic. So how do you know if you're living in the past? Well, if you're constantly mulling over it. Every time that person's name comes up, you, you flinch. You, know, you, you get the, you know, the, the, the flinch. The automatic little nervous twitch. <laughs> You start thinking things you ought not to think, amen? You start, 
Whenever you hear God's blessing that person, you just you don't think it's right. You know, you you're, you're living in the past. You ought to just let it go. But if you can't, if you're continually just mulling over it and talking about it and talking to others and talking to that person, perhaps, or anybody else, then you're living in the past and you really, that thing is going to just chain you down. Unforgiveness is like a cancer that just eats you from the inside out. And you ought to just let it go and get over it. You need to to realize that there are some principles of forgiveness in the Word of God. One of them is that forgiveness always takes the first step. I mean, theoretically, according to Christ in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, the offender and the offendee should meet each other halfway to get things reconciled. And if you've tried that and it doesn't work, and I've tried it a few times, I, sometimes I'm like, you know, brother, I don't understand what is going on and what is your deal. Some people get kind of weird. I don't know. But you, do what you, you do what the Word of God says and you do the best you can. Try to patch the relationship up, and if you can't patch it up, just go on down the road for God. Do something for God, amen? But don't allow yourself to be shipwrecked, you know. Don't quit. Forgiving is choosing to forget, is another thing. It's not like forgiveness is this magical thing where your memory is erased. I wish it was. Wouldn't that be great? But forgiving chooses to forget. That is, you choose not to remind yourself, you choose not to remind that person, and you choose not to remind other people of what that person did to you. It's choosing to forget. Forgiveness is granted and not felt. You ever see, I've seen folks, and it's kind of funny, it's comical sometimes, but it's not, where, you know, they say, you know, I'm sorry, and then they say, well, you don't mean it. I'll forgive you if you're really repentant. Well, that's not what Christ taught. You know that parable, uh, you know where they say, um, how many times should we forgive? He said, till 70 times 70. They said, oh, increase our faith. The context is forgiveness. And he said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. He was, prob- he was saying, in other words, your problem is not faith. You don't need a lot of faith. To do great things. Then he gave him the parable about the master that comes home and he, you know, demands of the servant to do what? To, you know, the, the servants worked all day long. He comes home and then he, the, the master says, you know, fix me something to eat. What's the servant going to do? He's going to fix him something to eat. And at the end of the day, he's going to say, we're unprofitable servants. We've done only that which is our what? Duty to do. Forgiveness is a duty. He's saying your problem's not faith. You just need to do what God told you to do. And he said, forgive. And you let it go. And forgiveness seeks to establish a new relationship. And so we're going to have to move this first point out of the way. Like I said, I didn't want to pick a scab (laughs) this morning. But it needs to be done, needs to be said. You know that they're actually in prisons now. Today they have these forgiveness seminars because even the world, the unsaved world, realizes that it's a cancer. Prisons are practicing these forgiveness seminars. And for us who preach, what do we preach? The gospel of Jesus Christ that you can have forgiveness of sins? It's the height of hypocrisy to be telling everybody else they can be forgiven, but not yet practice it in our own lives with each other. Amen. Amen. 
So I say these things because it's all about the message, the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to change and transform lives. That message that we preach, and I have seen the gospel. I have seen the gospel in action take, I mean, marriages that were on the brink of utter destruction and just start those, those little, what do you call those strings that start knitting, knitting their hearts together again, just bring what, what, what looked like it was done forever, bring them back together. And heal families and heal lives. That's the power of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about forgiveness. Number two, we have to get over past sins. You can't live in the realm of past sins. Now, these are our sins. These are the ones that we do. You know, we live in this world and we're going to get dirty. This is a challenging age, folks. A very challenging age to live in. And if you were saved as a child, chances are your worst sins were committed as a child of God. And the devil, he's very, very uh, subtle. He knows that there's this thing called, you know, divide and conquer. He loves for people to think that you're the only one. You're the only one struggling with that temptation. You're the only one that's fallen. You're the only one that battles that. There was a church that had a men's meeting and the pastor just anonymously just passed out a questionnaire and asked men about certain types of temptations and sins and asked them how many of you participated in a certain thing. And the pastor was just, you know, they answered honestly and like 85% of the men in a a good King James Bible-believing church. But yet, every one of them thought they were the only one. What does the devil do? He gets one sheep away. He's the the accuser of the brethren. If you listen to him, he'll beat you down and get you down. That song that we sang, what a blessing that was that the pastor requested. And that German melody to it, what a blessing. It's all about, you know what, in those times like that, you can plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Get victory over the devil. Get victory over your past, over those past sins. What a blessing. Um, sins like that, if you dwell on them, if you continually live, live in the past, can either uh, lead you to the point where you quit thinking you're the only one, you're all down and depressed, or like there was one church service, you know, one, one fella kind of who was, um, you know, he was an officer. And he decided to make a public confession of something that probably... You know, our policy is if you sin openly, we'll confess it openly. Right? Sin privately, confess it privately, please. <laughs> Amen. This guy gets up and, I mean, he confesses all this stuff. And then another brother, you know, starts crying. And he, can, oh, and he was the youth leader. And it was like, okay. <laughs> you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if you're continually beating yourself up and whipping yourself, then you know what? Your problem is one of two things. Either you just don't believe what He said, or you're still the kind of person that's going to do that again. And you really haven't changed. Either way, you've got to get it right. You've got to accept the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. Free of charge, it's all because of Him. He'll forgive you this morning, and you can get over it and go on. Amen. Number three, 
We can't live in the realm of past victories. Past victories are for those who have, you know, you've, you've tasted the fruit of Canaan. You know what it's like to kind of uh, be in, involved in, you know, fighting in the battle. You know what it's like to uh, have God answer prayer and you see God's hand and you see it supernaturally. You've seen God use you and do some things for you and you've had victories. You know, I really love that story in the Old Testament where he tells uh, Joshua to get those uh, rocks out of the River Jordan. And they wrestle them up on the, on the shore and they plant them down there. There were twelve and it's, it was so there would be a public testimony that in the, in the ages to come or the generations to come, if they say, what mean ye by these stones? You can say, you know what? Uh, there was a day whenever God parted this. It was supernatural. It was unexplainable. Amen. It just defied all kinds of laws of gravity and aspersion. I mean, all these laws were uh, defied that day. And this is what God did for us. We need public testimonies of the grace and power of God. We really do. And what I also like, the fact that God told Joshua, you put a pile, you leave it down there in the riverbed. The kind that nobody sees it. But God knows it's there. Those are the victories that's just between you and Him. You know, I love to read the biographies. I love to, to hear of you know, the, 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 the revivals of days gone by. And I sometimes think, man, I wish I lived back in the time of John Wesley and Charles Wesley and Cartwright and all those and, and Whitfield and to see, you know, 5,000 people that would gather at 5 o'clock in the morning to hear the gospel. I mean, Wow! And here we are. <laughs> it's not like that today, amen? And I love to hear the, the stories of the old timers talk about revivals and, and things like that. But you know something? We need it now. If there is ever a time that we need to see God move, to see God answer prayer, to have some real true victory in the body of Christ, it's today. Thank God for the memories. Thank God for the victories. But we, God's not changed. He's still on the throne. There's nothing that's changed. We can always go to Him, amen, in prayer, and He hears us. But man, it seems like we're just so busy and so distracted with other stuff. American culture is just, it's like there are a million things that are all vying for the two, three commodities that you have given to you by God. Every one of us here, have, we have time. And every one of us here today, we have energy. Right? And with our time and with our energy, we can work and we can produce. And so we have these blessings that God gives us. In this world and our flesh and the devil and everything else, they're all just vying for your time, for your energy, and for your resources. And those are the things that God wants you voluntarily to dedicate to Him. And boy, is it robbing God's people. This culture that we have produced that came from abundance and from freedom. Wow, we need victory today. And what happens if somebody begins to live in the realm of past victories? They begin to think, you know what? I've paid my dues. 
I've experienced things that nobody else has really experienced. Kind of like Samson. Thinks he can go do things and just he shouldn't be doing, amen. Figured he could just break free any moment. And um, one day he ended up entangled. It's kind of like Eli. What a tragedy Eli's life ended up. Eli made himself a little stool. The Word of God didn't give him that stool. There was nothing in any of the instructions for the tabernacle where Eli was to make himself a stool. He was to be standing. He was to be serving. That's what happens. We get a few years in and we begin to think, I'm a little bit special. I'm a little bit entitled. You begin making these little stools in your life because of past victories. We need victories today and we need victories tomorrow. I like what uh, one preacher was talking to another, and this one guy was saying, you know, oh, yes, brother over here, you know, there, I've been straight preaching, you know, now, and I, we do it faithfully, and this brother over here, they're really not serving God, they're not serious, you know, they haven't been straight preaching. And that pastor wisely said, well, we'll see where you're at in five years. Amen. It's a marathon. Anyway, can't live in the realm of past victories, nor can we live in the realm of past failures. This will be the last point this morning. Some people live defeated lives. They just dwell over the past. You know, there were opportunities and you didn't take it. You kind of missed something here. Something didn't work out there. You mean you strived and you fought and you worked and you prayed and you thought something was going to work out. It just didn't work out the way you thought. And it was a failure. And some people will spend the rest of their lives over and over and over again living with past failures. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. It's not necessarily sin, but maybe it's the job. Maybe it's the, the son, the daughter, the family. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but we all have failures. Amen. We've had church plants over there, you know, that just, it just didn't work out. Failures. Peter had some grand plans. Though all men forsake thee, Lord, I won't do it. And the Bible says that he ended up, what? He went out and wept bitterly. Disappointment in self and failure. He didn't stay down, praise the Lord. So have you done your best and you failed? Well, the only thing I could say to you is just get up. One more round. One more step. Just come on, brother. Come on, sister. Put it in the past. It's like the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind today. I don't know who said it. Is the first day of the rest of your life. Why are you waiting around and thinking that God's just going to, you know, kill you any moment? Anybody in here think that? You're just kind of waiting for God to kill you? I'm serious. I know people like that. He's given you breath. You've got another opportunity to go do something for Jesus Christ. You know, I love the Edison. You know, I don't know how he wasn't, you know, saved. 
from what I understand. But I mean, if ever, ever there was a monument to failure, you go to Edison's laboratory. And we're enjoying the, the, the blessings of Edison's work. Amen. Edison's laboratory was on the second floor. Every failure he had, he went over to the window and tossed it out the window. He was trying to invent the light bulb, the incandescent light bulb, and every time it just something didn't work out, he'd go to the window and he'd throw it out. And on his way, he discovered, I don't know, four or five other very useful things. But, you know, it didn't work out. He'd out the window it would go, and they said it got to the point where if he ever needed a part, the failures piled up so high that he didn't have to go downstairs anymore. He could just kind of, you know, go out the window right there. Just a pile of just failure. So my advice to you is to fail and fail fast. Get it behind you and go on. You know, when people were saying, you know, Edison, quit. Quit. I mean, look at what you've done. Why are you so driven to invent something that has not worked out yet? Look at what you've done here and here and here. These are all great things. You can relax now. And you know what? Success is really not dependent on what others think is success. Success depends on what he thinks. The inventor, the creator. So keep on going. So if you're living in the past, there's one thing that we need to always keep in mind and always live in the past. It's what happened in a cemetery. All those years ago. Where the, the best news this world has ever heard is he's not here, he is risen. And because he's risen, it's all about that if, as the brother said, he did. There's eyewitnesses, it's one of the greatest attested to facts of history, and the fact that you and I are here, amen, that he could reach down and save the dregs of a life that mine was, amen, and put me... On the other side of the world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and having a ball. That's a testimony that he's alive. And he can give you victory over your offenses and your sins and your victories and your failures. So if the past is holding you back from doing something for God today, the message is for you. Thank you very much for your time, Pastor, if you'd come. Amen. If that tomb that they laid the Lord Jesus Christ in still has a body in it, then everything is in vain. But because that tomb is empty, then we know His Word is true. The price He paid for our sins was accepted of God. Your sins are forgiven. And you have eternal life because there is an empty tomb right there. And maybe you're here today and you have never personally received in your life and in your heart what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's like the preacher said this morning. There are a lot of good, well-meaning, sincere, religious people in the world. And, but the scriptures never put any value on religion. This book does not put any value on you being sincerely, honestly, wholeheartedly religious. The Word of God shows you 
that your own righteousness, which is the result of your own religiousness, is unacceptable to God. That righteousness is not perfect. God's a perfect God and a holy God. And our righteousness, because it's contaminated with sin, is filthy rags in the eyes of God. And so you need the righteousness of Jesus Christ this morning. And if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus to save you from your sins, what better day than today? Let today be the day of your real salvation. The day that you really just open your heart and let Jesus Christ come in and save you from your sin. It's that simple. It doesn't mean joining this church. It doesn't mean anything other than simply opening your heart and calling upon the Lord. You can do it in your seat. You could do it here. We'll take a minute. We're going to sing a song, give you an opportunity to respond. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, as your real Savior, and you've trusted Him, it's like the preacher said. I love that illustration of those keys and that battery and whatever else it was that you dropped. Uh, he emptied out his pockets. The law of sin and death is consistent. And that soul that is not hidden in the Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to to keep it from going straight to hell. And you need the Lord Jesus Christ to keep you to keep you from grow, from going to hell. And if you're here today and you don't have the Lord, today can be the day when you receive him as your savior. We're going to have a word of prayer and we're going to stand together and sing. I want to pray and then we'll stand together, Brother Pat. Why don't you come? We're going to sing a song in a second. And before we go home this morning, we want to give you an opportunity that if you don't know the Lord today, you could receive him as your Lord and Savior. But let's pray first. Father, we're so thankful today for our brother, for the message uh, to our hearts. We're thankful, Lord, for the reminder from your word, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting the things, forgetting the failures, forgetting the sin, the offenses, and even those personal victories in our life. Many people, Lord, are looking back on all the good they've done, all the good deeds they've done, the, the good life they've lived, and hoping that these things will count for them in eternity as their salvation. But Lord, we know that even when it comes to our salvation, we have to forget all those things, forgetting our sin, forgetting our victories, forgetting our righteousness, and simply looking to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. May today be the day when some lost person receives you as their Savior. May today be the day when some child of God in this room gets victory uh, in their own life, Lord, and is able today, Lord, to lay some offense behind them forever, some failure behind them forever, and decides today to just go on with God. We pray you'll have your way in this meeting, Lord. And we pray you'll speak to every heart before we go home this morning, Lord. We know that, Lord, you may have some unfinished business with someone in this room. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to walk away from this opportunity to make things right with God. So help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, if you will. Grab a